I really want to speak this morning, continuing on our series about life's plans or life's direction. Because I believe it is so important that we know where we're going. It's a good thing to know where you're going. It's important. Now, we've talked about this uh, for a couple of weeks now, and of course, it's important that you know your final destination, and obviously in church we talk about that often. Your final destination, are, is heaven going to be your final home? And we talk about how salvation is the way to heaven through Jesus. And we'll mention that a bit at the end of service today. But we're speaking more today about your life's journey. Do you know where you're going here? Do you know the path God has for you here? Do you know what your next destination, your next stop, your next goal is? Because if you don't, you could be just wandering aimlessly or being sort of pushed around by others. Or as we've said before, possibly like a pinball in a pinball machine. Wherever the ball bounces and you hope something good happens. But I believe God wants us not to be that pinball, but to have direction, purpose, and a course. And I believe that from Scripture because he says he has good plans for us. He has a plan and a purpose for you and he had it even before you were born. It was laid out. But the thing is... If you don't know that plan or purpose, or if you want to do your own thing, you won't be following his plan. So today, specifically, in the series called Knowing My Life's Direction, we want to look at how God directs us by his Holy Spirit. So last week, we looked at how he directs us through Scripture. This week, we're going to look at how he directs us by his Holy Spirit. Proverbs 3, verse 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So God does want to speak to his people. He wants to show you the path. He wants to give you an idea. You see, he doesn't call you to follow him. He doesn't call you to serve him and then say, okay, we're going to put a blindfold on you now and figure it out. Not at all. He wants to give you an idea. You see, the Lord can direct us in a number of different ways. But today, let's stay focused a little bit on the Holy Spirit. And I want to look even more specific. The Holy Spirit is a pretty big topic. But I want to look briefly at the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are direction gifts. Okay? So there's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit listed in... uh, the scriptures, but we're going to look at a few of them today. But let's look at this verse so you understand that God really wants to direct you by his Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 13, Jesus said this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. So here's a scripture, Jesus talking to his followers saying, the Holy Spirit wants to guide you into truth. He wants to tell you what he's heard, and he will tell you about the future. Your future is the plan for your next. You see, plans are important things. If you've ever worked in construction or 
engineering or any types of things like that. You get a plan and you follow it and things go well. If you don't follow it, it might not go so well. Now, we don't have to just think of construction. What about just, you know, making that bed you got from Ikea? There's a plan. (laughs) Somebody's done that before. And sometimes guys are like, ah, this is simple. I don't need the plan. The plan is important. Those hundred or so pieces have got to go in the right spot. And so plans are good if you want the future to work well. Follow it, go forward in it. And God wants to speak to you and I, directing us, and he can do that through the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 8 lists the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to look at the direction gifts. But let's read that, verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, and to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. So nine gifts were listed there, and five of those I would call direction gifts. That would be the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, prophecy, and tongues, and interpretation of tongues. I want to take just a little bit of time to look at those so you know what they are and how the Holy Spirit would use those for you, okay? Because we're talking about our life's journey, each of us, okay? So let's look at how Holy Spirit can do that. The word of knowledge is the first one I want to look at. And the word of knowledge is simply this. The Holy Spirit allows you to know something about someone or something that you couldn't have known on your own. Okay, so he gives you knowledge about a situation that, okay, I didn't know that. How did that happen? And I find often this happens for believers and they don't even realize. You're wondering what's going on. Suddenly you know, oh, that's what it is. You've been in prayer about something and you get a word of knowledge on how to make it happen. There's a story in scripture where the word of knowledge was given to a prophet in great detail, and I just want to look at that one for a minute here this morning. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 8, and it's talking about the prophet Elisha, but it says this, when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel Do not go near that place, for the Armenians are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, Which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. So word of knowledge was very detailed, but it was for a purpose. It was for direction. A word of knowledge was given to direct Israel and to protect them. 
So Holy Spirit wants to direct you to protect you sometimes. He wants to say, don't go there or do go there. It's for your good. I remember hearing a story many years ago about a gentleman who traveled by plane. Often he was going different places flying. And there was this one time he was going to get on a plane and he felt the Holy Spirit saying, don't go on the plane. I was like, well, I've already checked through the gate. I'm going to, you know, I got to get on the plane. I paid for this ticket. So he just went ahead and got on the plane. He's sitting there in the seats while people are getting on the plane and he felt so strong by the Holy Spirit. You're not supposed to be on this plane. Get off. So he got up, walked out past the stewardess and walked off the plane. He said, man, I'm going to look stupid, but I feel Holy Spirit's telling me. That plane didn't make it to its destination. The Holy Spirit wants to direct you to protect you. So it is important to listen. It's important to say yes to what Holy Spirit is directing. But maybe you're here today and say, well, I've never heard from the Holy Spirit. You know, this sounds strange. The Holy Spirit speaks in a still small voice, and it's often directly to your thoughts, if you want to use that term, your spirit. But it's a thought that's not your own, if you want to find a way to put this into natural terms that everybody can understand. It's from Him. All right, so that's the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge often couples with the word of wisdom. So you know something, now what do we do about it? That's where the direction comes in. The word of wisdom is the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom or direction that you didn't or couldn't figure out on your own. Okay? I don't know how to do this thing or I don't know what we need to make happen, and Holy Spirit gives direction. I remember a number of years ago, I grew up on a farm, and uh, we had machinery in a shop where we fixed stuff, and I remember my late brother, he a, was a year older than me, and he was working on his vehicle, and he couldn't figure out how to fix it. He was the mechanic, I wasn't. But he tried for a number of days, and he had this same problem happening. And I remember because he asked me, he said, I don't know what's wrong with this. And I don't know why he was asking me, because I wasn't a mechanic. But I said, oh, I'll pray about it. And I remember praying about it and had a clear picture of some wiring and where it needed to go and why. And so I told him. In less than five minutes, he had the problem fixed. That's called a word of knowledge, but a word of wisdom is how to fix it. So God wants to do that for things that are, well, even more important than fixing a truck. But think about it for a minute. If Holy Spirit cares about fixing your truck, I think he cares about fixing your marriage. I think he cares about your kids. I think he cares about your work. Don't you? Why would he not speak something to help you out? Do you know, many marriages struggle not because they're not supposed to be together, but because they don't know how to bring up differences. They don't know how to argue properly or not argue at all. Did you know there are no two people that are going to agree on everything 100%? If you say you do, you're lying to me because it's not possible. So 
If you're married and you're having some arguments and those arguments are getting out of hand, it doesn't mean you shouldn't be together. It means you need to get some wisdom on how to disagree or how to figure things out. Okay? Wisdom is a great thing. Okay? Somebody needed to hear that today. You just need some wisdom on how to work through that. You're meant to be together. Okay? Good marriages don't just happen. Good marriages are worked at and things are worked through. Okay? Somebody needed to hear that today. Oh, I wish I had a perfect marriage. Then make it a perfect marriage. You make it. Oh, but you don't know the issues my spouse has. What about the issues you have? Make it work. Oh, but what happened, what he did, what she did. You can have wisdom to make it work if you want. Do you hear me? And you can make it beautiful. But you need the wisdom. So let me encourage you, if you're needing some wisdom, go search for it. Go pray about it. And go online and check out places like Focus on the Family. Focus on the Family has some of the best marriage wisdom stuff I've seen. You guys, somebody wants to Google Focus on the Family later today if you need to. Get some resources. Grow. Get counseling if you need. You want to make something better? You use wisdom and you work at it. Well, that's some good counseling right there. It wasn't in the notes. Okay. Somebody needed to hear that. So wisdom. Genesis 41, 33, we read a story about a word of wisdom. And just a little back up to it before I start reading. This is the story of Joseph. And Joseph is able to interpret dreams, which, by the way, is kind of a word of knowledge uh, and interpretation about somebody else's dream. But he also operates in the word of wisdom. And Joseph has gone through a lot. He's been in prison, but now the pharaoh, the ruler of the land, calls him up to interpret a dream. And everything's about to change because of a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom. His entire life and the welfare of an entire kingdom or the then-known world in that area. Okay? A word of knowledge and a word of wisdom are going to do this. This is how important it is to listen. This is how important it is to hear from the Holy Spirit. But he's called up. He interprets the dream, tells the Pharaoh, you're going to have seven good years, and then you're going to have seven really bad years. He tells them that's what your dream means. Like, great years and then nothing. And then he switches from interpreting the dream to giving him a word of wisdom. Verse 33. Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away. Guard it so there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. He gives a word of wisdom to this king. He's a prisoner right now, now wrongfully accused, but he's a prisoner. But he tells him the dream, gives him this word of wisdom. For all he knows, the king's going to go thank you and send him back to the prison. But the king says, you know what? 
I don't think I can find someone with as much wisdom. You interpreted the dream when nobody could, and this is good. You're in charge. A word of knowledge and a word of wisdom took him from prison to being basically the ruler of the kingdom. I think it's important for you and I to have some direction from him. He is setting some of you up for an amazing life change, for something great that you need to hear. And then you need to say yes. You see, that's pretty important. Saying yes, using what he's giving you and doing something with it. Now, I need to clarify this story a little bit because sometimes people just think, well, it's like a a wish or a dream and it just all of a sudden happens. No, it didn't all of a sudden happen. Joseph spent his life going through some difficult things being faithful, using his gift, working in his gift, becoming confident in what God had given him. You see, that confidence, he knew I can stand up here and tell the ruler of the kingdom, this is what God's telling you, and this is what you need to do. That didn't just happen. That was from him practicing and using his gifts for a long time. So let me encourage you right now. Do not be afraid to learn and grow and make mistakes even in hearing. Don't do nothing and expect some wild, wonderful thing to drop out of the sky. Mm -mm. He's preparing you right now. You need to start where you're at. You need to use your gift where you're at. And he'll take you places you couldn't imagine. Start where you're at. And don't be afraid to use this, your mouth. You see, the voice is a powerful thing. It says life and death are in the power of your tongue. If situations or people have caused you to just shut this and not use it, you need to open it again. You need to open it again. You need to declare things. You need to speak what he's given you. I feel this is really important for a few people here today. So I'm just going to pray right in the middle of this message. Lord, whoever those people are that have felt silenced and have actually given up speaking anything of value, they're only speaking what's necessary to survive kind of thing. Whoever that is right now, I just break that off their life. I say their voice comes loud and clear once again. The voice comes loud and clear once again. They use their gift. Amen. Okay, whoever that is, start speaking. All right. The Lord wants me to say a little more on this. Speaking is so important. I just feel I'm wanting to encourage parents. Don't tell your kids to shut up and never talk. And we could probably ask teachers about this. They know kids have to express themselves. They know kids need to express. There's times they've got to be quiet, but I, I want to encourage parents. Don't shut your kids down. Just teach them when and how to express themselves and how to bring it out. Because when they grow up, they are going to need to use this mouth. Because life and death are in the power of your tongue. Okay? Don't know who that's for, but God knows. Yeah, give him praise for that. It's good. Each of you has the same authority with this mouth. You need to know that. You're no less than the person beside you. The enemy has lied to someone and told them, you're useless, you're a failure, and so because of that, you've been keeping quiet. Stop. Open this up. See, God has great plans for you and I, and he wants to reveal them through his gifts of the Spirit. Another gift, and I'm going to put two of them together again, and that's tongues 
and interpretation of tongues. I'm going to talk about this a little bit, and we're going pretty quickly. Uh, a while back, maybe two years ago, we did a series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and each one is a message. But today, we're really just barely scratching the surface. But I want to give you a little bit of an idea so you know, hey, he wants to lead you. So tongues and interpretation. Different kinds of tongues is simply speaking another language you have not learned. It can be an earthly language or a heavenly language, okay? And it's given by the Holy Spirit, all right? So it's not making it up or it's not the same as learning another language. Holy Spirit gives it to you for a purpose at that time. Acts 19, verse 6. It said, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So tongues in Scripture was uh, a visual and audible uh, sign that somebody had been filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so when the disciples were first filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, they also spoke in tongues, a language they hadn't learned. And we know from the continuing of the story at that time, it was actually a language from the areas that were there. So they were actually speaking somebody else's language, and they were speaking the good things of God. And it caused many people to come and accept Christ. Okay, so tongues can be heavenly, or it could actually be a real language, but it's for a purpose. Now, just tongues by itself, maybe you're thinking, well, where's the direction part? I believe that's the interpretation. Because if you don't know what you're saying, there's no direction in it. Still useful, but no direction for you. So, when we pray in tongues, just remember the Holy Spirit is speaking, not us. Romans 8.26 says this, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. All right, so this speaking in tongues is for edification. Sometimes people don't know what to pray, so they will speak in tongues. Now, we're not going to go deep into this, but in a uh, church setting like this, if tongues were going to come, you'd need interpretation so that it edifies everybody. If you're in a life group or a prayer meeting setting, people could be praying in tongues without interpretation just because they don't know what to pray. Okay, everybody understands that? Everybody's good with that? Okay. And again, for tongues to give direction, there should be interpretation. Listen to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 13. Anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Okay, so interpretation is really important. The person speaking in tongues can also interpret usually, but sometimes someone else just knows what's being said. All right? Nobody's confused about that? Nobody's scared at this moment? Don't worry, I'm not going to do anything weird. Holy Spirit is good. This is more of a teaching message. Okay, tongues, giving direction. All right, the other gift that's directional, of course, is prophecy. Prophecy simply means the foretelling or prediction of what is to come. 2 Peter 1 and verse 21, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. So prophecy comes from the Holy Spirit. You can't make it up on your own. 
It's not because you're being so smart and figuring it out. That's not prophecy, that's you figuring it out. So just remember that. True prophecy comes from the Spirit, not your brain. All right. The Holy Spirit through prophecy is giving you a glimpse into your future, which is part of your life's journey or your life's plan. I'm going to say it again. If you're here this morning and you think, I don't know what my next is. I don't know what the next goal is or what I'm aiming for. You need some direction. Because walking through life aimlessly will make you grouchy. Walking through life not knowing where you're headed makes people miserable. Not knowing a next, not having a plan or a goal is not a good way to live. If you've ever met a miserable, angry Christian, it probably has to do with their life journey and they're not knowing. In other words, they don't like what's happening to them right now and they don't know if this is where they're supposed to be. They don't know what's happening next. When you know, you can go through stuff. When you know you're right where God's put you, you deal with things. You don't give up. Okay? Knowing is important. The Lord reveals his plans for you before they ever happen. Listen to Amos 3 verse 7. Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything unless he reveals his plans to the servants, the prophets. Okay, let me say this again. The Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to the servants, the prophets. He wants to reveal it before he does it. Now, that makes kind of sense. If you have no clue about anything, you're not going to do it, right? Some way it has to be revealed to you before you step into it. Well, the Lord is the same way, and he reveals it by his Holy Spirit. Also, one other thing I want you to see from this verse, it says that he doesn't do anything unless he reveals his plans, which means God doesn't do anything without a plan. God plans things. He's a God of order. Disorder and confusion are from the enemy, not the Lord. Isn't that interesting? God has had a plan for this world since time began. God has had a plan for Canada and still does. And his plans are good. You see, the Lord's plans for this world will come to pass no matter what. Listen to Isaiah 46, verse 9. He says, remember the miracles of long ago. Acknowledge that I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I declare from the beginning how it will end and foretell from the start what has not yet happened. I decree that my purpose will stand and I will fulfill my every plan. I will fulfill my every plan. He will fulfill his plans for this country. He will fulfill his plans for this world. But I need to say something to you for your life plan. You see, the thing is, your life plan hinges on whether or not you say yes to him. Whether or not you say yes to moving into it. His plan for the world, he's going to find somebody who will say yes. But his plan for you hinges on you. Because only one person can stop the plan for your life, and that's you. This is important. You know, I have met people through the years who are like, well, my life's wrecked. Uh, um, God has no plan for me because of my ex. 
Your ex can't stop God's plan for you. Only you can. Well, my life's ruined because my boss. Your boss can't stop God's life plan for you. Only you can. Well, it's wrecked because of my parents. You don't know them. They, your parents can't stop God's life plan for you. Only you can. You see, the enemy has to lie to you to give you a reason to quit. And he's a liar, so don't quit. Say yes to God's plan and step forward no matter what has happened yesterday or the years past. Only you can continue to step into his plan for you. It's a choice. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 makes this very clear. It says, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him and committing yourself firmly to Him. Well, that's pretty clear. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's a choice. You can choose to follow him, and it's a great life. He says this is the key to your life, your choice. Choices matter. Your choice matters. Joshua 24, 15 echoes again this idea of choice. It says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a choice. You see, God's life plan for you hinges on your choice. You can choose to say no, you're going to be miserable. But if you choose to say yes, doesn't mean it'll always be easy, but it means you will be blessed. And for some, you're like, well, I did choose this plan and it feels really rough right now. I don't like it. Did you know when you follow a plan, the end result doesn't come immediately? Anybody who's been in construction and uh, years ago, I was in the construction industry building houses and you followed a plan. But when you started, there was nothing but a big hole in the ground. And if it happened to rain, it was a big muddy hole in the ground. It didn't look like no fancy house. But if you're faithful to follow the plan and continue it, you would end up with a fancy house. Some of you are in a stage right now where it seems like a muddy hole in the ground. Continue with his plan. I said this last night, I'm going to say it again. Some of you are in a stage where you're digging and planting. Keep digging and keep planting. Because the more you dig and the more you plant, the bigger the harvest, the bigger the reward. Do not quit. I grew up on a farm and we had gardens. Anybody else had gardens or you do garden? Oh, good, we got a few. Well, dad believed firmly and if you don't work, you don't eat. 
And we helped the gardens. I didn't mind that. I liked gardening and I loved the food after, but we had massive potato gardens because we were a big family. And the, the, we had two potato gardens and one of them was probably as long as this auditorium, almost as big. And then we had a second one. And we would plant those potatoes and then we would have to weed them and hoe them. At that point, it didn't look like potatoes and gravy on the plate. It just looked like hard work. But you've got to be faithful to the plan before the potatoes end up on your plate. I love potatoes and gravy still. I'm just saying. So maybe some of you are in the, plant, the spot where you're still planting the potatoes or weeding them, and it isn't fun. Stick to the plan he has. There's great reward coming. The day's going to come when you're sitting at the table enjoying it. God has good things, good things, good things. Don't quit the plan. Don't quit the plan. Great reward coming. Turnaround coming. I really sense the Lord just saying uh, situations for some are going to be as dramatic as Joseph from prison to unbelievable things. I, I felt that. And I think you know what is concerning. There's, there's a big turnaround coming. It's going to be good. Whew. But keep digging right now. Keep planting. This is good. I'm making myself hungry. I've got to hurry up. Okay. You choose. You see, the gifts of the Spirit and choosing God's plan for us, each of us, all begins with the greatest choice of all. The greatest choice of all is choosing to follow Jesus. The most important choice you can make in your life is choosing salvation. Asking Jesus to come into your life and to forgive you is the number one choice. You see, we talked about our final destination. We all want that to be heaven, not hell. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, accepting Jesus is the way to be once again connected with the Father now and for eternity in heaven. Acts 4, verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven where we must be saved. Salvation is a great choice, and it is simply that, a choice. You see, Jesus came and died on a cross to die for our sins so that we could be made right with God again. And then he made it as easy as possible to receive. You didn't have to work for it. It was by grace. All you needed to do was believe it and receive it. And he thought, well, what if they can't figure that out? Let's make it even clearer. And so they gave us a verse that said, if you'll speak it with your mouth and believe it in your heart, you'll be saved. That is so easy. And here at our church, we give opportunity to say a prayer that would speak what we're believing and allow us to be saved. So we're going to do that right where you're sitting. And I ask my congregation to join me for that one or two who maybe have never done this. And so I'm going to ask you right now, if you'll repeat this prayer after me, we call it a salvation prayer. So say, Lord Jesus, I ask you now, forgive me of all my sin. 
Make me new. Use my life. I thank you now. I am saved. Amen. I want to pray for you as a congregation right here. Okay, those that are already saved. I want to pray for you now concerning this message. And what I want to do is pray for God to equip you and help you to really hear and understand the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? You guys are okay with that? And uh, yeah, and we're going to pray for anyone who's saying, you know, I'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we maybe do it different than some have seen in the past. We're going to do it right where you're seated. And you see, being filled with the Holy Spirit, once again, you don't have to work for it. You simply need to be saved and ask for it and receive it. So we're going to do something similar for that, for anybody who's like, yeah, I'd love to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you're saying, I want to be filled, you can repeat this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm saved, and I'm asking now, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give to me those gifts that I need. Amen.